This week, like many of you, my heart has been heavy for many in our body who are suffering. The Dodd family, the Hantlas, there are others as well who are in an, an immense time of suffering. If you're visiting this morning, uh, you're in a room filled with people who have been pleading with their God for weeks uh, to heal and to comfort and to strengthen in a time of suffering. I wanted to say something helpful about their situation, and I found it very challenging. I kept coming back to what John Piper has written about suffering. This morning in our communion meditation, I'd like to share some of his thoughts and read some scripture to you. You can follow along or just listen. These thoughts come from an appendix in a book that John Piper wrote called Suffering and the Sovereignty of God. I would encourage you to pick up that book and read that book. There's an appendix in the back called Don't Waste Your Cancer, and that has since been released as a pamphlet looks something like this, and you can get it online for free as a PDF. Uh, you could just Google, don't waste your cancer, and you could get it for free. It gives you nine reasons, nine ways to not waste your cancer. I've changed it around a little bit and changed the language uh, to fit us here this morning. Uh, this morning, as we uh, meditate and remember Jesus, I want to give you four ways that we won't waste our suffering. This is the first one. We waste our suffering if we do not believe it is designed for us by God. Piper says, it will, it will not do us to say that God only uses our suffering, but does not design it. What God permits, he permits for a reason. And that reason is his design. If God foresees molecular developments becoming cancer... He can stop it or not. If he does not, he has a purpose. Since he is infinitely wise, it is right to call this purpose a design. The Bible tells us about a man named Job. Job experienced a great deal of suffering. He lost his possessions, his family, and he was covered in boils, you remember, from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet. We read Job's words in John, Job 2.10. Shall we receive good from God and shall we not receive evil? In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. Job was coming to grips with this idea that God's suffering is designed for us by God. Number two, we waste our suffering if we grieve as those who have no hope. Familiar with the passage, 1 Thessalonians 4.13 says, But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. In this verse, Paul is addressing believers who have lost loved ones. The verse affirms that there will be grief in the midst of suffering and at death. Grief is not the issue. It's how we grieve that is the issue. Again, Piper says, even for the believer who dies, there is a temporary loss. Loss of body, loss of loved ones here, and loss of earthly ministry. 
But the grief is different. It is permeated with hope. Paul says in another passage, we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. We grieve, but our grief is soaked in hope. Because when the believer dies, he enters into the domestic fellowship of the Lord. He is finally home. Third reason. We waste our suffering if we do not believe it is designed to deepen our love for Christ. Even if we die, that does not mean our suffering has won. Our suffering wins if we fail to cherish Christ. This is John. God's design is not to wean us off the breast of the world and feast us on the sufficiency of Christ. Suffering is meant to help us say and feel, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Paul says in Philippians 1.21, you know the passage, to live is Christ and to die is what? Gain. Paul is turning the enemy of suffering and death into his servant. The very thing meant to extinguish the flame of his life is turned into a torch. Counting suffering and death as gain displays the infinite worth of knowing and seeing Christ. To live is Christ and to die is gain. The fourth way that we waste our suffering. We waste our suffering if we fail to use it as a means of witness to the truth and glory of Christ. Luke 21, Jesus there is talking about the coming tribulation, the day of the Lord and the end of the age. But before he talks about that, he has some words regarding a closer destruction, a closer judgment. And that was the judgment that was on Jerusalem in 70 AD when the temple was destroyed. Luke 21 verse 12 says this, But before all this, that is before the coming ultimate judgment, But before all this, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you. Delivering, delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons, and you will be brought before kings and governors for my, for my name's sake. This will be your opportunity to bear witness. So it is with our suffering. Suffering is an opportunity to bear witness. Christ is infinitely worthy. Here is a golden opportunity to show that he is worth more than life. Don't waste it. Friends, our friends haven't wasted that opportunity. Luke continues, fascinating truths here. Luke 21, verse 14 and 15. Settle it therefore in your minds not to meditate beforehand how to answer. For I will give you a mouth and wisdom which none of your adversaries will be able to withstand or contradict. For a man or woman to stand in the midst of immeasurable suffering and bear witness to the infinite worth of Christ is supernatural. The power to bear witness in the face of suffering does not begin in the strength of the believer. But in God giving, what Luke says here, a mouth and wisdom. As we watch those suffering bear witness to Christ, we are witnessing the truth and glory of Christ. 
we are witnessing God's work in the witness of God's workers. As we turn to our communion time, I want to look at Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. You can turn there or just listen. The author writes, God says, Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself, that is Jesus, likewise partook of the same things, that is, flesh and blood, for two reasons. That through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is, the devil. And the second reason is the one I'd like to focus on. And deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. Jesus' death on the cross frees us from the fear of death. Verse 15 says we were subject to slavery through the fear of death. Before the death of Christ, the fear of suffering and death was a taskmaster that enslaved us. Friends, we have been set free from the fear of suffering and death. When you place your faith in the cross of Christ, suffering becomes our slave. If you don't know Jesus this morning, I want to remind you that you are a slave to the fear of death. And that slavery is right. Because of your deeds, because by your deeds, you have only earned that death. When you place your faith in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins and find deliverance from the fear of death, or rather I should say you should or you ought to place your faith in the death of Jesus so you can find deliverance for the, from the fear of death that you are enslaved to.